All right, cool. All right, let's do this. Oh, all right. All right. This episode, I wish it was brought to you by Bud Zero, but they haven't sponsored us yet. Only a matter of time. Only a matter of time. I'm waiting for Guinness Zero to make its way to Austin. Um, anyway. Okay. Man, we've had 97 episodes, and this is like a unique pairing. We've never had both of you. I've had you on and you on, but never both of you at the mm-hmm. same time. <laughs> and all it took was y'all meeting at my birthday two years ago. Uh, anyway, okay, let's do this. <laughs> Hello, world. Welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. I know, an episode two weeks after the other one. What is going on now? Usually we've taken weeks or months in between episodes these days, but, you know, I'm trying to get back on schedule. And I'm really excited about today's episode. Uh, I was just saying, this is a, I have two guests on today who've never been on at the same time. They have legendarily funny and interesting episodes on their own. And I just can't wait to hear what they have to say and how funny this episode is going to be because a lot of venom and vitriol is going to be thrown around. But before we get to that, let me introduce my guest. First off, to Age Before Beauty, uh, uh, joined by Benjamin Alexander Casson. How are you doing today, Ben? Wait a minute. I'm Age? You're older than... Oh, no, I guess you're not. My bad. Sorry, yeah, tell him, my bad. I'm not cute. No, it's, it's cool. I understand. <laughs> okay, so I'll just go with uh, alphabetical order. Ben Cassidy, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm good. Okay, uh, and I, I and, the, I got, and other I people, <laughs> loyal listeners will recognize the other voice that just spoke up. Uh, Dalvin Ford Jr., how are you doing today, man? You're, uh, you're, our, or, you're our West Coast correspondent today. Once again, I am reporting live from a state that is not Texas. Uh, yes, I'm doing well. Uh, here scoping out places to live and super excited to talk shit to the lesser London clubs. Uh, I, ben, I joke with Dalvin. He's one of the only Texans that's moving to California instead of vice versa. The power vacuum is our chance to get oh, in. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we are really excited. First off, uh, we are going to talk exclusively sports today. So, you know, I have I've had like, you know, I've, I think I've told you both this separately. When I've had to talk about the pod, I was like everyone. The first question is like, well, what's it about? Naturally. And I'm like, well, we kind of do a lot of things and like, OK, well, what what's what do you all normally talk about? I was like eh, movies and sports. So this is going to be one of the sports episodes because we just had a movie episode. The previous episode, I had Rachel Vastola on talk about her wedding and Dr. Strange too. So that was a lot of fun, but this one exclusively sports. Uh, so if you're not interested in that, I'm sorry, come back next week or two weeks or month, who knows when the next episode will come out after this. Anywho. So on today's episode, we're going to be strictly speaking uh, about English premier football. That is uh, English. That is the uh, association football, not American football, or gridiron football. We are talking about the English premier league. Uh, I am the relatively, yeah, I'll just say it, not even relatively, I am definitively the novice in this conversation. So my two guests will be contributing most of their expertise to this episode. Uh, They've both been fans of their teams much longer than I have been. And so, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, how we became fans of our respective clubs. We're going to talk about the overview of the season, the Premier League season, uh, the 2021-2022 season. Then we're going to talk about individually, uh, specifically how our clubs did and how we feel about it and what we think they should do going forward. Last bit, we're going to talk about the world cup. Normally the world cup is in the summertime, but it's been moved to November because it's in Qatar. 
you know, because of greed and capitalism and corruption. But, you know, it's FIFA. What do you expect? So uh, that's going to be it. Uh, there will be time codes in the description if you want to hop around any specific conversation. If you want to hear me cry um, about Arsenal, you know what? <laughs> You're going to get your time. Don't worry. Sit patiently. So let's get started. I guess we can talk about let's let's introduce what clubs we support. I just mentioned I'm Arsenal. I'll go last. I'll, I definitely have to go after Dalvin because Dalvin factors heavily into my reasoning, into my origin story. <laughs> So Ben, I don't. I think I know Dalvin somewhat. So let's start with you, Ben. What club? What club are you a fan of, and how did you become a fan of that club? All right. So um, in EPL, my team is uh, Tottenham, uh, uh, and yeah, I know. <laughs> We're all going to be talking mad shit about every each other's teams this entire episode. Like, I don't know if we're actually going to talk about anything. Or if we're just going to be telling each other, "Fuck you guys." the whole time but you know whatever uh so um the backstory for that for me is um when i was first really getting into like starting to watch soccer because i played soccer growing up right Mm -hmm. but i didn't have growing up we didn't have cable so like i couldn't watch any of like the games unless there was like a world cup on basically Mm -hmm. so when i first started getting into it i was from world cup soccer and germany was my team and I watched a lot of Bundesliga, the German top flight football competition, um, and Bayern Munich was my team there. And they still are, but everybody that I knew watched Premier League soccer. And I was I enjoyed watching the games, and it was a lot of fun. And I just needed a team to root for, basically. Um, and so when I hopped on the bandwagon, it was, it was Mauricio Pochettino's first season in charge. And Spurs have always been known as being not the best performers as far as uh, winning silverware goes, but uh, when they're at their best, they're always a ton of fun to watch. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's the club where all of the uh, showboats go. They're the club that gave Garrett Bale his window into playing for Real. It was Jurgen Klinsmann's club, you know, uh, back in the 90s. So that was just the team that I started to follow and watch. And it was, it was an exciting time to start watching them. And yeah, it was better than cheering for Man U. And then everybody that, everybody that I knew that watched soccer was an Arsenal fan. And so it felt like cheering for the Yankees. Uh, so I'll here we are. later. But yes. Okay. <laughs> That's a fascinating story. Uh, I disagree. Uh, and I'll explain why when I talk about my origin story, uh, why I disagree your Yankees Arsenal comparison. But uh, yeah, so that's fascinating, man. Yeah, uh, Dalvin, uh, before like, like, I don't think I've met anybody who's in the Bundesliga or the or the Mannschaft. Is that right, Ben? ben the Mannschaft? Right? The Mannschaft. The Mannschaft, yeah. Nobody yeah, roots for Germany and German football harder than Ben Kasten. So do you have any experience with, how do you feel about German football real quick, Dalvin? I was about to say, I have a, I have a little uh, docket for every league. And then it just seems like we're naturally going to be on opposite sides of things. Because, like, when I started, when I first noticed the Bundesliga, like, yes, I like Bayern because all of the coolest players play for Bayern. But then when I realized the relationship of the league was like, oh, Bayern always wins, I became a Dortmund fan. And hey, fan hey, that's like, recent. It didn't always <laughs> used to be that way. Fair point. I did like. I think it, it, it's kind of interesting because our fanhood is kind of opposite in the sense that I was aware of the Premier League, you know, way back. I was a fan. I became a fan of Chelsea in like 2005, 2006. 
but I became a fan of the Bundesliga and probably well into the 10. So yeah, I, I never got to see the the time when it was competitive. It was just like they had Klopp for a second, they had Tuchel for a second, and then they basically just lose in very fascinating ways. Nevertheless, my Chelsea origin story. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Um, okay, so it was basically, it was the Katrina years. Uh, it was 2006 was a World Cup summer, the Germany World Cup. Um, I was living in Houston. We had already decided we were moving back to New Orleans, so it's not like I was going to hang out with my Houston friends very much. Uh, so I spent that summer really plugged into the TV hard, right? And the World Cup was happening, and ESPN is doing a big push on all of the like relevant players, and they did a special about Didier Drogba and about how he basically, through the skill of being a dope-ass soccer player, uh, stopped the Civil War in the Ivory Coast and was able to put it on hold so people to watch him play and watch the team play. And that was also a particularly star-studded uh, Ivory Coast team. You know, they had another Chelsea player, Solomon Kalou, on the team. They had Arsenal great Gervinho. Uh, a lot. It was just a crazy team. So that kind of affected my perspective on the sport at all because I've grown up playing sports heavily, especially basketball, but not so much soccer. And really because soccer was just kind of white. It didn't feel like uh, a lot of coolness to it. it. It didn't feel like a lot of like my friends would play it. So it was not something I was really into. And then I saw how much Africans and Caribbean people loved it. And it really changed my perspective completely. So I wanted to root for Drogba's team. And that just happened to be Chelsea in 2005, which a uh, little background for the listeners who don't know. Uh, Roman Abramovich, very famously, Russian famously, Putin's homeboy. What's he doing to, these days? <laughs> yeah, right. He decided to buy a football club in England in 2003. He was torn between Chelsea and Tottenham. Uh, but uh, the manager of England at the time told them to buy Chelsea because their team was a little bit better off. Plus, you know, West London, I don't know if you guys have ever been to London, but West London is very posh, very beautiful. And North London is very working class, which leads to the, the rivalry a lot from the, the British perspective and why your two clubs, the North London clubs, really, 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 really hate Chelsea because y'all are the real salt of the earth guys. And then all of a sudden this, you know, wine and cheese club became even richer and now they win everything that you know that you guys have been hoping to win so that's kind of the perspective I, i'm really kind of steeped into the the fanhood and so let me yes kind very of, much let so. me let me be rabbit myself right now i did not know when i became a fan of chelsea that chelsea was the official nazi club of london right i did not know that they were the racist team they had an entirely almost entirely african lineup when i you know, I just mentioned two Ivory Coast, like they had a whole spot for the Black. Yeah. I thought they were the coolest team in the world. I later learned that their fans are, are famously known for racism. They had connections with, uh, uh, you know, in the 70s and 80s, it was really it was really bad. But, you know, I also support LSU football and Saints football. So when it comes to rooting for teams next to races, I'm very comfortable with it at this point, unfortunately. Uh, and that's kind of how it is. But. As far as the rivalry goes, right, I, I know you have to tell your story. I just want to get a little bit into of the rivalry. And sure, sure, sure. Arsenal, I was very, very close to being an Arsenal fan because, you know, when I discovered Drogba in YouTube 1.0, you watched Didier Drogba videos, and it was like, oh, you also want to watch Thierry Henry videos. And he was yeah. electric. He's the greatest player I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like it. I just wanted to be hyped from him, but... I don't know. They had the perfect season, the Invincibles. Again, like he said, it gave them that Yankees kind of feel. I was like, I can't root for the team that has like a, you know, I don't want to join the top. I want to join these usurpers who are who are coming out of nowhere to become good. So that kind of led me to where I am today. <laughs> Dalvin Ford, big fan of underdogs with Nazi ties. 
Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you Don't think forget about. Putin yeah. and Nazi ties. Yeah, there. I cannot I'm wait to hear what you have to say about Chelsea season with all craziness that's been going on in the sport <laughs> and outside of the sport. Uh, so mine is does directly involve Dalvin. Uh, mine, like I said, I'm the more the a uh, little bit more wet behind the ears when it comes to English Premier League football and soccer in general. So my origin story goes. Um, I was the typical American that thought soccer was boring. Soccer was dull. I still talk to these people now. I hear it all the time because I watch it so much now, and I'm trying to slowly convert my family. I'm getting there. I'm really trying to get like. So, Dalvin, I didn't tell you this. I'm going to my first Austin FC match in July in at the stadium because my mom's coming to town. And I was like, hey, you want to go to a game? She's like, absolutely. So, yes, I'm trying to get her, I'm trying to get Hell my stepdad. Yeah. My brother's a lost cause. But, what? I mean, that's not the first thing I've ever said he's a lost cause on. <laughs> so, my origin story goes back to I was the biggest snob. But, like, so in college, uh, I started really getting – it might have been around when me and you became friends, Ben, like 2010. It was the World Cup. And I was like, ah, let me see what's going on. The summer's kind of a dead time in the sports year. So it's like, ah, let's see what's going on. And I really enjoyed it. And I was like, wow, this was a lot of fun. And then next year, the big year was 2011 was the Women's World Cup. And anyone who knows, the Women's World Cup run was fucking incredible. It was phenomenal. And I was like, oh, so this is what soccer is. This is how great the game can be, how incredibly dramatic and like talented and like just so graceful and elegant, all these things. I was like, wow, this is incredible. Unfortunately, you know, we lost in penalties to Japan, but whatever. I'm not bitter about it. It's fine. Shout out Homari Sawa. What an incredible performance. I, I couldn't be mad. She called anyway, out. Anyway, we're getting to you. All right. <laughs> we're getting to you. So I remember, I can't remember what class we were taking Dalvin. It was a science class. It was either astronomy or chemistry or biology. One of those or physics, maybe. I don't know. Um, and so I remember talking to you that fall semester, 2011, because uh, I think you were still at LSU at the time. It had to be 2011, I think. Maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe it was 2010. I'm getting my time. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So oh, I, remember I, talk- it. Yeah, I remember talking to you in class because we weren't paying attention. And I was like, man, I really love this. I'm really into soccer, but I don't know who to root for. And you were like, well, let me tell you, like the EPL is like the SEC in college football. I was like, oh, OK, now I'm starting to get that. And you started breaking it down for me a little bit more detail than I was quite prepared for, but you were like laid it out. And so I was like, but I still don't know who to root for. And I swear to God, Ben is the honest God true. I think I've told this pod. I told this story on the pod before, but I was like, so who should I root for out of the English teams? He looked at me. He looked away. And he went, I think you should root for Arsenal. I was like, Oh, who are they? And you gave me like a rundown of what they are. Like, uh, uh, Wenger, Wenger and uh, Thierry Henry and I was like oh I don't know who any of these people are and you were like you, you should root for Arsenal he's like they're kind of like the LSU slash Boston Red Sox of the Premier League I was like okay all right yeah I can do this and honestly so that was 2011 I really didn't start really getting into them to really started following them until I moved to Austin don't know why it just seemed to correlate and so like I didn't really start. This is going to sound very weird. I know this is going to sound weird. And anyone listening who knows, if you know, you know, this is going to sound very counterintuitive. I started really getting into them once uh, Wanger left. Because I was like, because there's so much history with the club and there's so much like, I feel like I don't want to present myself as a supporter, but I'm largely ignorant. So it's like, where do, how do I, how do I get into this? And so when he left, and we brought in and Emory took over and then eventually Arteta took over. That's when I was like, okay, this is obviously a line. Uh, what's the, uh, 
a, a, a line of delineation in the club's history. So I was like, okay, now this is when I get on board. And then now I've been a fan since like 2018, more or less, like really these past couple of years, especially with, you know, the pandemic. And like, I've really, really invested in sports a lot. Like not only have I, am I really invested in the men's club, I'm also very invested in the women's club. Cause I love, I think women's soccer is just as good uh, right. and stuff. So, and our women's team is actually really good, which I'll talk about later when it's my turn to talk about the season as a whole. So yeah, Dalvin Ford, I tell everybody, it's like, you want to, yeah, I did not decide this. It was decided for me. I was bestowed this team by one of my best friends. It's like something about the Arsenal fan attitude of like, you know, they're always going to get an aesthetically pleasing team. They, they definitely are more form over function <laughs> and you're, they're going to have ELS jerseys every year undeniable their fashion fc and also their fans really do feel like a community like i, yeah. I just know a lot of arsenal fans and it, if you were going to join rooting for the prem and you wanted people to be allies with you know jumping in and being a chelsea fan was a lot because i remember it's like hey i support chelsea fuck you what what is that like what happened and so that's i didn't want you to have to go through that but it comes yeah. with lots of trophies that's the that's the counterpart yeah, not so much these days, but definitely a rich history, like I said. So, yeah, that's how we all became fans. Okay, so, like, Ben, I imagine Tottenham, uh, Arsenal's, like, your heated rival. And J- Dalvin, I don't know exactly who Chelsea's biggest rival. You said it was Tottenham. I'm not sure. So Can I can I just say why? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> I, so, I, I've been to Sanford Bridge. If you ever watch a Chelsea match, you can hear the song. Google it. It's called The Liquidator. It's a reggae song. Mm-hmm. Um and at the beginning of every every Chelsea match, regardless of Chelsea is playing, they will chant, we hate Tottenham, Chelsea! <laughs> and so I was like, okay, that's weird. We are playing fucking Sunderland right now. Why are we chanting about this? And good for, it's always fun to learn. It's like, oh yeah, that's because Tottenham, you know, the most Jewish club of London. So good, you know, of course, Chelsea has to the hate them. The chosen club, right? Right, yeah. Chelsea has to hate them for most for. Reasons you shouldn't look that far into, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's their main rival. Arsenal, I mean, it was just success in London. As oh, you guys were coming down, we were coming up, and that just became a natural kind of a sporting duo. So who are, who who do you hate? Is it uh, Ben? Manchester United. When I came in of age, it was peak yeah. fucking Ferguson. And my yeah. fans now don't know what that's like. Pep is not the same level of, I don't know, because it was like, he, it was almost like he was cheating. Ben, who do you hate the most? Why do you hate Arsenal? <laughs> so why do I hate Har- Arsenal? Is that what the question is? The question was originally, who do you hate the most? Who do you hate the I, most? I or like some of the teams you hate the most. Gotcha. Are we talking just EPL or are we talking in general? Uh, you can I want to know the whole too. thing. Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. So first of all, oh, gosh. Chelsea. You hate Chelsea more than Arsenal? No way you said that. God had to come and strike your Wi-Fi for saying that. No way you hate Chelsea more than Arsenal. I do. I do. <clears throat> and it's kind of, for me, it's, you know, I'm not I'm not from North London, so I don't have that geographical, they're three miles down the road, hatred built into me. But what I do remember, I don't remember what year this game was. I think it was the year that Leicester won the Prem. 2015, we, we stopped y'all from winning. Yeah. There was that last game that we played at Stamford Bridge, and it had probably the most fights I've seen outside of, like, a Brazilian soccer game. (laughs) (laughs) And, oh, man, it was just, it was infuriating. And I was like, man, fuck this team. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And, uh, 
and yeah and i've never had that with arsenal like it's 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 been for the past i don't know how many years it's been five or six years like we've finished ahead of them in the prem so it hasn't been a big deal i get it it's kind of like how i was with united at the first like they were at the top so i focused all my hate on them and not the natural rivals that came with the club right exactly but yeah so chelsea for me um and then and then kind of broadening to the rest of europe i hate real and i hate psg and I hate Juventus. And I kind of hate Man U also. It kind of is a general rule. If Ronaldo played at a club, I don't like them. Mm. Fair. Oh, yeah. Hugo, Dom, he fucking hates Cristiano. He fucking... God damn. I don't think I hate... I think I hate the Falcons that much, but I don't think I hate anybody. Anyone you want to talk me. about somebody easy to hate. <laughs> I mean, I definitely get it. <laughs> I definitely get it. Um, I feel you on that. As far as uh, I feel like I'm on the yeah. opposite side of a lot of those rivalries. In soccer, the top two people that I hate are Ronaldo. Yeah. <laughs> and then John knows this. I fucking hate Alexi Lalas. Holy oh, shit. God. Oh, God. I, Alexi Lalas. I will be watching sports. I'll be watching soccer Alexi on Fox Lala. and I'll like text a picture, a goofy looking photo of Alexi Lalas and just send it to Ben to fuck with him. Because, like. Yeah. It's it's pri- it's priceless. He's a terrible analyst, and then once you you know how he gets down as a person, it just makes him that much easier to hate him. Yeah, fuck that guy. He's the fucking. Worst. And that was the main points. Yeah. Uh, I, if I could just hop in, also, yeah, it's like I wanted to hate Real Madrid. I really did because they're definitely all any of the evil empire like type teams. They're definitely that. But like, if you would have just saw how the Champions League in two thousand and nine went against Barcelona. It's just there's no way I could ever respect them or appreciate them as a footballing institution in any way. So I had to like Real Madrid just to like shade and fraud against them at all times. And yeah. it's got me on the wrong side of history because if you look at the history, you know, <laughs> Spanish politics, Catalonia and the Franco regime, and you look at the it makes you look at that whole rivalry real different. It's like that for a lot of rivalries across Europe. But uh, yeah, definitely on the wrong side of that. one. Okay. So, Not to even mention that hashtag allegations against Cristiano. Oh, for sure, yeah. So let's uh, let let's do like Cristiano did and head back to the uh, Premier League. How do you like that segue? Um, I love that. <laughs> so let's talk about this season overall. I'll just list off a few things, and either one of you can go on what your feelings about overall, how it all shook out, and then we'll work. We'll we'll be more specific and go to our particular clubs so the champions were no surprise maybe not a surprise i thought they were going to win it all uh manchester city as far as the fa cup liverpool won the uh, fa cup and in the broader sense champions league real madrid defeated liverpool uh for the entire shandig of that uh the top four and please please don't rub this in the top four were man city you want to make it a top five no shut the fuck up benjamin uh <laughs> Man City, Liverpool FC, and then two other teams. And then, unfortunately, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, Chelsea choke out as number three. And uh, number four is Tottenham. I think that's the aluminum uh, medal right there, Benjamin. Uh, and, unfortunately, Ooh. Arsenal is the medal. <laughs> Arsenal is the, did, did not make it into the top four. We are sat at number five. We're going to the Europa League while all the top four teams are going to the Champions League, and so is Man U is also going to the Europa League, it turns out. So, uh, 
Uh, let's go with you, Ben. Let's start with you, Ben, first. How do you feel about this? Not talking specifically about Tottenham yet, but how do you feel about this season overall, looking back now that it's all over? How, what was your assessment of it? So I think everybody knew going into it that at the end of the year, it was going to be down to um, City and Liverpool for sure. who was going to win the league. I was rooting more for Liverpool, if I'm honest. I don't have anything against City. I love Pep. Like I said, I'm a Bayern fan, and he was a fantastic coach when he was at Bayern. He's been, I mean, Pep's been a great coach everywhere that he's been, you know, so no shade there. I just thought it was going to go the other way. So good for Liverpool that they still got some silverware with the FA Cup. I cannot believe that they lost to Real in the final. That is outrageous. It, 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 I'm like, I could not believe that, that happened at all. Um, you know, but it is what it is. So I don't know. So, I mean, as far as the season goes, things for the most part played out the way that I thought, but that, that Real Champions League victory still kind of boils my blood a little bit. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, Dalvin, you can go ahead. And for anyone who is not familiar with the league, uh, Ben, I think fa- fairly uh, stated that most people expected it to come down to those two clubs. Uh, if you would be willing, I know you'd be willing, but if you would be willing to shed some light on why those two were so favored, heavily favored uh, to win it all. And of course your assessment of the, of the season overall. Well, yeah, they were definitely, they just have the most established projects. Uh, Klopp has been in Liverpool for like, I think what, five, six years at this point, same for Pep. And, you know, what it is, is Liverpool has an incredibly smart scouting recruiting system. They have American owners and they, they just have a, you know, a smart setup to get players that work and they have a good system. I think that they were severely overrated uh, this year. Uh, I mean, obviously the points speak for themselves. They were second in the league, but I, I, I'm a very opposite of Ben. I thought they had no chance in the Champions League and it went exactly the way I expected. And I say that based on the two cup finals that they played against Chelsea. So you mentioned the FA Cup, which we did lose uh, in penalties after <laughs> Liverpool did not score and we lost 6-5 on penalties. But we also played them in the League Cup, which is like a lesser a lesser oh, yeah, cup tournament across England. Yeah, because it's not that important. But um, yeah, we also lost that one nil nil again and 11 to 10 on penalties the difference between Chelsea and Liverpool this season was zero goals and an 11 to 10 penalty shootout so you know it was that was frustrating uh you said that most people started off thinking the season it was the two of them I was one of the deluded Chelsea fans who thought that Lukaku would be good for us that's if you check your tweets literally right now today is June 3rd you can see that he is uh, crying to go back to Italy. It was a horrible, horrible waste of money. It, it went terribly. Um, and then that doesn't even include the, the the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which led to the sanctioning of our owner, the greatest owner in the history of sports. So, well, yeah, well, put a long, pin in long season for Chelsea. But I'll go back to the pure sporting part. Yeah, uh, sure, 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 sure. Uh, you know, we had a lot of new signings coming off a of win in the Champions League. You know, I would say we probably didn't meet expectations, but you can see our younger players taking uh, – you know, staking the, the limelight well. I think Kai Havertz has taken the next step. You know, he went from being basically no important, no real goals, except for the one in the Champions League final to be in a double-digit goal scorer, which is what you want. I think that Reese James is the best right back in the entire league, possibly in the world. So that's good. Uh, you know, Mason Mount's a good player. Chelsea's got a lot of good players. We got new money coming in. So that's kind of an exciting time. And that, yeah. But you just look at the rivals, uh, you know, City and Liverpool are going to be excellent next year. And 
I saw I was trying to set up this joke for earlier, but now that we got some connection, um, I don't know if you remember the the film Borat. Yes. There's a scene in Borat where uh, he talks about his neighbor. He's like, I get radio. He gets radio. That is Tottenham and Chelsea's relationship. Tottenham, after not being able to get, after not being able to get, uh, you know, Abramovich as their owner, they have been constantly just, you know, chasing our coattails, trying to do whatever. We get Mourinho, they get Mourinho. We will get Conte, they get Conte. We have trophies, they never get this. That is the difference. Uh, um, it, it's kind of frustrating. I think that Conte is an incredible manager, and, and Tottenham is probably going to be around the same tier as Chelsea next season unless we make some very, very smart signings because mm-hmm. I think we're starting off from ahead of them. Uh, you guys, I don't know who you're going to buy. I, I think you're putting a lot of faith into some young players who some yes, of which might be – some of which might be mid. I think Saka is pretty good. I think that, you know, Smith Rowe is pretty good, you know. Okay, I'm going to have to cut you off. You're stepping on some of my points here. Uh, I, sorry, sorry. No, sorry, you're sorry. good. You're fine. I, again, I do want – I don't have much to say because, again, novice, uh, wet behind the ears compared to you two. But, uh, Ben, would you care to respond to anything Dalvin said or anything stand out from his assessment that you want to discuss? I think the only thing that I want to say is – well, it's going to go back into some history a little bit, not like crazy far history, but some history a little bit. Yeah. I think that back when we sacked Potch and brought Mourinho in, that was the biggest mistake that we could have ever made. I still don't understand why we sacked Potch. It makes no sense to me to this day. He worked wonders for the club and they were in a slump. And I guess because now. He went wonders doing what? What did y'all win? It begins. When was the. Before. This is the whole okay. I invited before them on. Potch, before Potch started managing the club, when did we when were we that high up in the in the table? Like when did we finish that high up? Like I hate to be I sound like the Twitter boss. I was gonna be like, what a trophy for Spurs. But that's the difference between the mentality. Y'all are like, all right, that's cool. We made top four. Chelsea is not like that. I'll let you continue. I'm sorry. We're also like that, but like also Tottenham gets we get these managers and they just and they just suck. Like when we brought Mourinho in, holy shit, I hate Mourinho. And I oh, think John, I don't know. Here's if where the bonding begins. Here's where the bonding <laughs> begins. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I told this when when we sacked Potch. Um, I think later that day, I texted John. I was yep. like, I don't care who we sign as a manager. Yep. We better not fucking sign. <laughs> we better not sign Jose Mourinho to manage this club yeah. and then they did and i was like you gotta be fucking kidding me so many L- dalvin i sent so many lols man it was so fucking glorious ah, oh that's it tough. was awful i love Mario though I, I mean he deserves a slander for his first tenure but he's back to winning trophies now that he's no longer in that situation i'll call it <clears throat> okay well i'll just say my little piece uh i was very i'll just say i I, I not not to completely piggyback off of y'all, but like right. I totally agree with pretty much everything y'all said. Uh, I just found it very exciting, mainly because my team was in the hunt. Really exciting the end there, as far as like who was going to get the third and fourth spot. Like it was some really incredible like drama going on, and unfortunately, the third and fourth spot. You mean the fourth and fifth? Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I mean. Yes, <laughs> that's what I meant. Basically, how it was going to the final top four was going to shake out. That's what I was trying to get at. My bad. Uh, so what I'm trying to say is that. It was very exciting, and uh, I was uh, I was really in it. And unfortunately, though, my team did you know did not shake out well. It was really exciting, and I think it was another great season. I didn't get to watch as many matches 
as I wanted to because, like, you know, or, or, or not Arsenal matches. I didn't get to watch many non Arsenal matches I wanted to. Like, I didn't even get to watch uh, any of the Champions League final. I didn't get to watch the end of the season for, you know, Man City and Liverpool matches. I was busy. But yeah, it, I, I had so much fun. And uh, I, I can't wait to talk about how you guys felt about y'all individual seasons because you've already sort of tipped y'all's hands. And since. Uh, ben, you started this one. Let's start with you, Dalvin. I feel like you have a lot to say in, about Chelsea this season. I am really fascinated. I've been dying to hear how you feel about this season overall. And yeah. uh, especially feel free to talk about, you know, current events as well. So please go ahead, illuminate, il- illustrate for us how the 2021-2022 Chelsea season went. Got it. So basically the season had like very three distinct kind of moments for me. It was around the Christmas period. Chelsea was in first place. You know, things were going well. Lukaku was playing well. Everything was wonderful. Uh, And then shortly after that, he does an interview with an Italian magazine talking about how his heart will always belong to Inter. And he's trying to get back there one day while he's still in the prime and completely kind of upsets the, you know, the, the camaraderie of the team. And we start, he starts falling off. His performances start becoming worse and the team starts doing worse and we fall off the, you know, are we going to win the league pace, right? So that was strike one. Strike two, obviously, Vladimir Putin decides to invade Ukraine. And if you don't know, Roman Abramovich, then owner of Chelsea, is one of his closest, 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 uh, you know, associates. And so he was sanctioned by the European government, by the UK government, and Chelsea was not allowed to, you know, receive any funds. We weren't allowed to, you know, sell away tickets. We weren't allowed to sell, like, the megastore was sold. We couldn't sell jerseys, like, nothing. So it, it made it very, very difficult to kind of operate as normal. We couldn't talk to players in the in the transfer market, which is kind of hurting us right now because we yeah. definitely need to, to shake up our team. But uh, it really is it, a lot of positives and negatives. So just saying, I, I mentioned earlier that Abramovich is one of the best owners in the world. Basically, he just spent money because he didn't care, right? He, he's sports watching. He's trying to, you know, enrich his own uh, his brand, he's trying to make himself look like a sporting businessman and not, you know, supporting a dictator or whatever. So he was willing to lose money. He was willing to buy whatever was necessary. If a coach got hired two months ago and he's not doing a job, he'll fire him. Chelsea had a very chaotic tenure. And I think it's kind of nice that that stuff will come to an end. But it's also we have to be operated as a, you know, a functioning business now. We don't have a sugar daddy who's willing to take L's on deals just to make us good anymore. We have to, you know, be smarter about our scouting and that's going to change how Chelsea looks in the future. I think that's going to make people like us more. I think that the Putin element was always kind of hanging over us. Uh, so I think you're, you're going to see a new era of Chelsea coming forward. I don't know if it'll be enough to break into the top two championship thing this year unless we just make some unbelievable signing and we have some injury luck to, you know, those, the other top two teams. Because we haven't mentioned just as a general aside about the league, Erling Holland, probably the second best young player in the world, is coming to the Premier League next season to play for the already champion Manchester City. It's going to be terrifying, terrifying. Yeah. I don't, it's it's going to be wild. So uh, everybody's got a lot of catching up to do, and I think Chelsea will be uh, in a good place. Our manager is a genius. I think we have the third best manager in the world, and you know we're finally going to support him, and he can have some job security, which no Chelsea manager has ever had. Yeah, I did want to ask you, uh, I have not stayed up to date on y'all's ownership ownership situation. Have they, has he decided, I think I remember talking to you about this, help me yeah. out. Uh, last did, week, I think it's, yeah. as of, I want to say maybe Monday of this week or like Friday of last week, uh, Todd Bowley uh, with a 
He's the owner, one of the, he's in the ownership group that owns the Dodgers. So he's, he's considered the yeah, owner of right, the Dodgers. Right. So the Dodgers kind of consortium uh, backed with some venture capitalists, Clear Lake Partners firm. It's kind of an interesting situation, right? Because Chelsea was before, as I said, owned by one dude. And if he was like, I want this to happen, it's a very clear message. But now, you know, we have shareholders and stakeholders and a faceless entity like a, a VC firm that owns most of the shares of the club. So I know all they care about is making money. Mm-hmm. Winning usually leads to money. It's going to be a very, very interesting kind of setup going forward. But Bowley is the face of it. Todd Bowley, everything he said in interviews is very exciting. He said he's trying to get money popping, you know, now. And, and we got a, a lot of good players that we're looking at. We should be seeing signings in the next couple of weeks, I would hope. I'm excited. Okay. Personally. Yeah. It sounds like you guys have a, you know, pretty, uh, I guess, a, a, a potentially uh, successful future ahead of y'all. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, the big thing for us, and I know this is the stuff that absolutely nobody cares about, but just like as an aside, Arsenal and Tottenham play in two of the nicest stadiums in the, in the country. Uh, our Tottenham Stadium is like a few years old. All of the NFL games are, are played there, basically. Like Shout out to the up, Saints. Right. Yeah, so it was set up to have that NFL money. And Tottenham has been making so much money from that and spending that money wisely. And now you see them kind of on the rise. Um, Chelsea has one of the oldest stadiums, especially for a club of its size. And they've been trying to find a new location in London forever, right? And they use all of the xenophobia about Russians to deny Roman Abramovich a chance to, you know, buy the land to make it happen. Now that we have the American owners, it's looking like they're going to be able to revamp the stadium. And if they get normal revenue that the other big clubs are getting, you know, Chelsea could be even more healthy as a business and even more terrifying to the rest of you lowly clubs. (laughs) Oh, man. Gosh. The the self the inf, the hyperinflated self importance, oh god! It just I could. It inflated. What happened with uh? Anyway, uh, we're gonna move on now. Uh, sorry, uh, you're running out of time. Uh, you can't. We, don't you know, think you can say I'm current here. I'm getting. I said her that. name just to hurt you. I'm getting to that. All right, <laughs> I'm getting to that. So Ben, how do you feel about this uh, past season for your Tottenham Hotspurs? What did you like? What did you lament? And what are you hopeful for going forward? So I I was excited uh, to see Conte sign with Tottenham. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got a lot of pedigree, and unlike Mourinho, he's not past his prime. But, you know, like I'm I'm gonna harp on it a little bit because holy shit, I hate that man. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's really nice to have a manager there that is not going to play park the bus football mm. because I, I mean, I, I understand that it was effective at one point, but that was never the brand of, of football that Tottenham played ever. And so it didn't work. And I, people were surprised. No, I'm sorry. People weren't surprised. Daniel Levy was surprised, I guess, mm-hmm. you know? So, so I don't know. Like Dalvin was saying, we are, making we built that new stadium and we're making some good money with it with using it as a venue for like the saints playing there um this Mm -hmm. fall and things like that uh which is cool um we also with conte being there and having a successful season he was able to bring um they just signed uh even perisic um Mm -hmm. from inter um who is older now you know he's in his early 30s so he's getting up there for for a soccer player but what uh, a beast yes 
Absolutely. And he'll be able to fill in as a winger or a wing back, which is great because that's a position that we have struggled in in the past. Um, you know, and there's still plenty of time left in the transfer market to see where Definitely. this stuff all kind of kind of shakes out. Mm-hmm. Having Conte there has made things that were questionable before more concrete, like Harry Kane wants to stay because he believes like all of us do that with Conte being there, there is a very real chance that we can actually bring home some silverware for the first time in decades, which is a huge thing for him because no shade to, well, I guess shade to um, England's national team, but uh, they're not winning shit. So that's, you know, his club is going to be the only way that Harry Kane wins anything. But uh, but yeah, I'm 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 frustrated that it took going beyond this season. I'm frustrated that it took this long to find a manager that was capable to do what needed to be done. Yeah, you ain't even mentioned my man Zudo. Yeah, I know. Because <laughs> I <laughs> literally because I blocked him out. Um, <laughs> but no, but some great stuff happened this season. Um, Sonny won. Uh, the golden boot with Salo, which was great. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, you about Sonny. I was I was going to give you uh, I was going to give you the floor to just completely rave about your what your guy. It. Yeah, he's awesome. Even yeah, I got to admit, Sonny is just fucking awesome to watch. He's a beast, and that's the thing. That's the thing with Tottenham. Their attacking has always been exciting, which is why I will never understand why we brought Mourinho in. Because he's that's a winner, crazy. and y'all are Tottenham. That's like, I can't believe you're like, I don't know why we brought it. Like, the trophy man and the trophy people meet up. That was the point. I guess, but, like, was a thought ever given to, like, compatibility? I mean, I, in theory, it's like superstar striker who gets goals no matter what, mid-defenders who really can't do much else and can't control, like, a weak midfield that can't control the middle. So y'all should probably be parking the bus and just feeding your two attackers that are any good. Like, theoretically, obviously, we saw how, how horrible that worked, but I get the vision. Also, like, when you're at a club like Tottenham, his siege mentality, everybody hates us, nobody believes in us, should have worked like gangbusters. But y'all had some players that are, you know, soft in the mind. Y'all was counting on Delhi Alley to do important things. I'm sorry. I don't know. That's, y'all blame Mourinho for that, but I, I don't know. He won literally everywhere else. Everywhere. Even United. Continue. I'm sorry. I mean, for a little bit, and then he got sacked there, too. Uh, He's an absolute bad man. Terrible dude. <laughs> so annoying. I get it. He gets fired everywhere. <laughs> Won't deny that, but he wins everywhere. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but but also mm-hmm. at Tottenham, more than anywhere else, he was he was going to war against his own locker room, like in the public's eye. He mm-hmm. was like, "Hey, y'all don't have to see what I have to see behind the scenes." And it was like, "What is wrong with you, man?" But anyway, that's in the past now, so I'll try to move on from it. Well, let me ask you this, and I'll, Dalvin, I'll, I'll, I'll revert back to you as well because I want to give you a chance as well. So you'd say Sonny was like the, probably the standout on y'all's club. What's, who's a player on your club and you feel like doesn't get enough shine? Who's somebody you want to give a shout-out to? Me for Chelsea? No, um, we'll, we'll, we'll go with Ben first, and then I'll get okay, back to you okay. with uh, Dalvin. Okay. I mean, I feel like he gets shine, but I don't know if he gets enough. But uh, <laughs> Is there such a thing as enough? <laughs> Um, Hoybier deserves a lot of credit. Um, like 
I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and pretend like we don't have defensive issues. Um, but having a, a number six, like Hoiberg in there to like kind of marshal everything, even though he's not on the back line, he's able to be there to intercept passes and, you know, kind of give that weaker, um, back line some cover. Um, He's also a threat going forward, and people don't really think about that at all. Um, but he has scored goals, he's provided assists, and he's been a real general in the middle of the park for them, which has been really good to have. Yeah. All right, uh, Dalvin, same question to you. Who, who do you feel like, you know, obviously, who do you feel like is your you know, the guy who's getting the most shine, and who's somebody on your squad that you think deserves more shine, I guess? Right. Well, the guy who's getting the most shine, obviously, just because of the the general like English media hype, is Mason Mount. Mason Mount is you know Chelsea through and through. You can see pictures of him playing for us when he was like five years old. He's come all the way up. He had his first double digit you know goals and assist season. He's excellent. Um, but I think player that's deserving of more shine. Um, I think 37 going on 38 year old Thiago Silva was probably the second best defender in the Premier League after Van Dyke and quietly, you know, people don't really celebrate him. I think Rudiger, because he was leaving, he got a little bit more hype, but Thiago Silva's ability to still be consistent, to be able to pass the ball all over the parks, like he is an unbelievable, unbelievable player. It was his first time playing in the Premier League and he just jumped in and was excellent at it, even as an old dude. Um yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of anybody else. We have a lot of young players that don't play for us. So, like, Connor Gallagher is a young <laughs> player who I think is, is excellent, and, and I'm super excited to see play for Chelsea. He was on loan at Crystal Palace. Uh, he's a huge part of the England team uh, going forward, so I think that he's going to be kind of exactly what this team is missing. Uh, I would say our star player, our talisman, and it probably explains the reason why our, our offense is so mid is is N'Golo Kante, N'Golo Kante, his knees are not what they were. You know, he's an unbelievable player, but he's, he's getting up there. And then when you play his style, it's just like impossible to continue to be at your best. But when your best player is a defensive player, it speaks to, you know, your inability to create goals. Uh, so replacing him going forward with somebody as offensive minded as Conor Gallagher with that same level of running intensity and nonstop motor is exciting. And I think that we could be a different looking side going forward. Okay, well, I'll give my little spiel about Arsenal. Unfortunately, we don't, you know, we're, 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 I feel like we're growing under Arteta. I, I still, I don't really know. I can't really say one way or the other if Arteta's the guy, but we're, you know, I, I, I like a lot of things he does. Again, unfortunately, we missed out on the top four. And I feel like the season really just hit the bottom when we lost 3 0 to Crystal Palace in, in April. That was a, that was really tough. And that kind of was like the, you know, that kind of held us back and shit like that. That's fucking three points. The Crystal Palace, one of the worst teams in the league and in, in the in the Premier League and shit like that. And so, uh, you know, I think that today, just today, the start of my terrible day today was the news that Alexander Lacassette was not going to be with us anymore, which is a big surprise. But it's kind of a sad thing because he was my favorite player. Like, Dalvin, I remember you asking me a long time ago, like, if you could get, you know, a kit of any player on your on Arsenal. I was like, probably Lacazette. I really like him. I think – you know, I think I made the joke to you that I was like, oh, he's the greatest Frenchman that's ever played for Arsenal. I was like, please don't tell anybody I said that. Uh, but uh, no, I, I really like him. In uh, losing Aubameyang also earlier this year, that was a very ugly situation. Like, yeah, I felt like it was like, without like directly cursing each other out in public, the way Arteta and Aubameyang kind of handled that. That was you know, a good look. But, um, you know, I love Sokka. 
I really love Eddie Nketia. Uh, I hope he stays. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I hope so. So, yeah, I think Eddie was, like, my favorite player to watch this year. Like, I, I always love uh, Saka. I always love Eddie, of course, as well. He really came on strong towards the end there, and that's why, like, the prospect of keeping him is, like, very enticing, I feel. Uh, oh, shit, How do you I feel about him? Odegaard? I really like Odegaard. I don't feel like he played enough. Like, I feel like I, I, I really – I, I, him and Smith Rowe, like there were times when Smith Rowe wasn't starting. I was like, I kind of want to see more of Smith Rowe and stuff like that. Uh, Odegaard, inconsistent, I think is the phrase, is the word that I would use for him. Um, but I like him. I really like him. But the player that I really actually would want to shout out uh, that doesn't get enough shine, I feel like Ramsdale is underrated. Uh, you know, maybe not the greatest keeper in the world, but like, I really like him, and I really like a lot of his poise and a lot of times. And uh, He makes some great saves. He does make some great saves. Thank you. I appreciate the uh, acknowledgement. Because, like, I really <laughs> – I think that it's his first – It was. it's also his first year here. And I really – I'm like, okay. So we have Matt Turner, and that name will be familiar to any of you USMT fans. Uh, Matt Turner, the goalkeeper for uh, – the women, the, the U.S. men's team is actually joining Arsenal this coming season. So I really am curious to see if he can, you know, take the job from under Ramsdale or not. We shall see. the The name that gets that's been floated around, and this is a uh, sorry, I'm going to butcher this name, but I'm going to go for it. Alexander Zimchenko. He's a defender in the midfield. That seems to be someone we're targeting in the uh, in the transfer market. I'm really. Okay, yeah, all right, sure. I don't know much about the gentleman, but uh, sure, yeah, I think it, our, we could always – All you need to know is that Arteta loves Pep leftovers. Yes, okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Y'all will probably get Jesus, too. Y'all are going to sign two city players this summer. Book it. Okay, Gabriel well, Jesus, I mean, coming soon. They've they've been very successful on that team, so hopefully they – a little bit of that, they bring a little of that success with us. So the thing I wanted to talk about also was our women's team. I was also, like I said, up top, equally invested in our women's team. And we did really good. <sighs> except, <laughs> except fucking Sam Kerr. I hate, like, I love Sam Kerr. I loved watching her play in the Olympics, her and her with Australia. But man, I really fucking, God. Like the, the problem is I really like our, uh, our women's team. I find them, we're really good much better than our men's team, relatively speaking. Um, and I was really excited. Me and Dalvin, you were talking, you and I were talking about this when Meetama, like we were like, God, we got to get Meetama back. And then when she like re-signed with us, I was like, it's only for another year. So we'll see what happens. But I was like, fuck yes. I don't want to say for the listeners go. who don't know, Vivian Meetama might be the best women's player in the world. Like she is incredible. Oh no, it's definitely Sam Kerr. Like that's, I don't, I think that's like, Sam Kerr is like the best scorer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's kind of like a KD LeBron type situation. Like, Probably, yeah, yeah, KD scores better, but like LeBron's a better player over. That's how I feel about them too. Yeah. And I'm really excited to watch Vivian Meetama to, uh, I believe it's the women's Euros this summer. Cause last year, oh, I didn't even mention that. I was really proud of Sokka considering how the England team, like how it ended for them in the Euros. Like I'm really excited. I was really proud of him for handling it the way he did and like really bouncing back this season. Um, he had a great, yeah, you he had a great season and you see what happened to Marcus Rashford. It really affected him horribly. He was had a terrible season. Yeah. It's a shame. Mm-hmm. I, I hated seeing that. And I think I was texting both of you at the time when those penalty kicks happened, I was devastated for soccer. Like, I, I mean, I felt bad for the others as well, of course. Cause I mean, and like you, you have to be a cold-hearted bastard to be like, yes, fuck them. But like, it was just really, really okay. Sad. Wait a minute. 
It's easy to root against England. I'm sorry. Okay. You don't have to be a cold hearted bastard. Okay. Like, hey. I'll so rephrase. Specifically, it was it was tough because you I, knew the yeah. racism would be overwhelming yes. for yes. them. Like right. everybody yeah. kind of felt that. Yeah. That's what I meant. I felt bad for them, not necessarily because they lost, but because uh the the venom, the actual venom, the like the wicked like racism that they had to face. And it was just it was just terrible. I was sad to see. But yeah, I'm really like I was saying, I'm really excited about Miedema and the uh uh, uh belgian team oh not belgian oh god the netherlands sorry the dutch the dutch sorry my bad uh the dutch team in the euros this year and i'm really excited because i like a lot of players on the dutch team shout out to danielle van de donk what a name it's, oh, yeah, it's funny that you said that because like arsenal is kind of built from that total football model i don't know if you know about total football but it was like basically what made the netherlands an interesting footballing nation and mm-hmm. like Arsene Wenger is from that school and he very much, you know, downloaded that into your club culture. Mm-hmm. And like, this it, it makes sense that you feel a kindredness to the way the Dutch play because they, it's a very similar style. Yeah. I really like watching. I, I actually like, again, during the Olympics this year or this past year, uh, the 2020 Olympics that happened in, I'm sorry, the 2020 Olympics that happened in 2021. It was really exciting. I got up, unfortunately our women's team did not do so hot, which was very disappointing. I literally got up at three o'clock, local time to watch them lose to Sweden in the first match. Very disappointing. But, hey, Sweden and Canada, shout out to them. I love watching Sweden play. That's a whole other thing. He assumed how good out for revenge. I said we should have never got rid of her. Uh, well, I mean, from my understanding, there was a lot of, like, that wasn't, like – Bad blood. That was just bad blood. Oh, I didn't know that. All right, never mind. Yeah, I, say that. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that while U.S. soccer notoriously is not the most – especially for our women's team – is not the most accommodating and supportive, even despite excellence. I think that there she ran people the wrong way as well, somewhat. I'm not. I, I totally agree. I'm on Peter. Um, on, on her side, but uh, I'm just saying that you know she she wasn't completely blameless as far as I know. But anyway, so I, I, that's all I really had to say. Um, I really liked it. The the thing that really held us back as the women's is that we lost to Birmingham. That was like the big thing because like. Y'all, uh, Chelsea, and uh, Dalvin, you could speak a little bit. That's the thing that really held y'all back. Unfortunately, Emma Hayes and her tricky blues had to go out there and win not their first. Oh, not their second, but their third WSL in a row. Uh, it's just it's unfortunate that a dynastic, amazing player like Vivian Maidema had to come against a literal dynasty and, like, greatness happening you know, it's tough you know, to have to just try to play against it. Y'all took it down to the wire. You know, that Birmingham loss is what did it. But, yeah. you know, greatness and heritage tends to shine through in the, in the moments that mean most. I will just say I'm happy for my dear friend Alvin that at least one of his teams had a shot at winning the entire league. It's good to see the Chelsea, at least uh, one of y'all's teams, <laughs> uh, tasted some success this year. Same to you. <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, I think that was it. Like, we were going to talk about – our teams. So, all right, guys, let's talk about the World Cup. Uh, it's a weird year. I feel like we could do literally the three of us a whole hour, two hour long pod just on FIFA and the history and baggage of this World Cup. Dalvin, you said you had the teams pulled up. Why don't you break yeah. it down for every, for everybody listening? What the current situation is? Got it. So I I just run through the groups real quick. Yeah, as he talked about, you know, the, the World Cup is going to be in Qatar. That's why it's not in the summer. That's a desert state. It would be unreasonably hot to expect people to play. So to have it in the winter, you don't want to look into why it's happening in Qatar. There's a lot of horrible political stuff. Going into the actual teams. All right, so Group A will be the host nation, Qatar, uh, yep. South American team, Ecuador, African champions, Senegal, 
and the Netherlands. Uh, group B will be England, uh, Iran, the United States, and you. what will either be Scotland, Ukraine, or, or Wales. Then Group C will be Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, Poland. Group D, France, either Peru, Australia, UAE, versus Denmark, or Tunisia. And then we have Spain, Costa, uh, the Costa Rica, or New Zealand, Germany, and Japan. Hilarious that Germany and Japan are in the same group. Uh, Belgium, Canada, Morocco, and Croatia in Group F. Group G is Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. And Group H is Portugal, Ghana, Uruguay, and South Korea. So just a lot of, lot of very memeable, a lot of big storyline matchups. I don't know if you remember, you both mentioned the, watching the 2010 World Cup. One of the biggest moments of the 2010 World Cup was the Ghana-Uruguay. Just absolute disgrace of a performance by known racist, known fighter, horrible football player, even though he's incredible, Luis Suarez. Uh, to do a handball to deny the Ghanaians a chance in on the African World Cup to go to the semifinal. Just horrible to watch. They miss those penalties, so they get their chance at revenge in Group H. Obviously, the the United States and England being in the same group. Last time we advanced past them after a horrible goalkeeping error against us, and just the natural rivalry between you know our older brother, mother country, or whatever, plus Iran in the mix. Iran USA is going to be some horrible, horrible, horrible. Oh, gosh. oh man! If you have a Twitter account, download it for for the day of that game because it's some wild stuff being said. Not to interrupt, Alvin, uh, but we're going to save the U.S. team for last. What are some teams, other teams you haven't mentioned already that you're really looking forward to seeing? And Ben, I'll go to you next, of course. Well, Argentina, as you know, Messi's every tournament for this point is is getting close to Messi's last tournament. So, you know, they look like they have a a more well-rounded team, more so than Messi, good attackers and horrible defenders. It looks like they have more of a plan. Mm -hmm. This could finally be the chance for him to break through. Uh, France just always just has a ridiculously talented team now that Mbappe, but not just Mbappe, returning from years-long sex tape scandal, future Ballon d'Or winner, that uh, Karim Benzema. Now that he's back in the French team, it's make a huge difference. He's an incredible player. He won, like he single-handedly won them this Champions League run, right? So he's an incredible player. I, I want to see him cap off this this great season. Um, Belgium, this is it for their golden generation. They were supposed to be this superstar team of players who were coming up in Europe. They had the two Tottenham defenders, Vertonghen and Vermeulen. Uh, and then there Olivero. was, yeah, Olivero, thank you. Um, and then there's obviously Lukaku and there's De Bruyne and there's Hazard and his brother. Like they had a very, very star-studded team who's not done anything with it. So this will probably be their last chance being of age. Also Canada. They are. Yes. They qualified number one ahead of both the United States and Mexico. They have got some ballers, most notably Alfonso Davies of um, yeah. Bayern Munich. He's probably, if not number one, one of the fastest dudes in world football. He's just, I mean, I, don't, I want to know what his 40 time is since he's from our side of the world. They might have a published 40 time for him. He's fast as fuck. Like, it's unbelievable. So they've got a squad. And obviously Brazil. Brazil is must must see TV at any international tournament. Neymar has not won a World Cup. Again, time is ticking for him. Uh, just kind of in general football history. Obviously, we talked about the the Messi Ronaldo era coming to an end. Ronaldo will also be there with Portugal, but the Messi Ronaldo is coming to an end. Those guys are both in their mid thirties. The thirty year old generation, the guys who were born in the nineties, were supposed to be you know Hazard and Neymar. 
And they both kind of feel like a letdown. So this is going to be their last chance on the world stage to show that they were, you know, representing for their generation before the Mbappes and Hollands take over. Ben, how do you feel, man? Uh, just, you know, going off of what Dalvin said or anything, you, anything else you want to contribute? Like, what, how, do you, how are you looking forward to this one? And, again, we'll talk about the men's, our U.S. men's, after uh, we, yeah. we all have a chance to talk. And uh, so, yeah, how do you feel, especially about your, your Germans, man? How are you feeling? Or your Deutschland? Yeah. I'll touch on that in, in a little bit. I, I do want to talk about, we, Dallin was talking about Neymar um, and how it's kind of getting to the end of the rope for him um, as far as international play goes. And I'm curious to see if for once in, I don't even know how long, Brazil is going to come with an actual team and not just a bunch of individuals. Um, I feel like that's a struggle for a lot of national football programs, but really it's been kind of the hallmark for Brazil. And I think that it was finally exposed to its fullest in the 2014 world cup. Semifinal <laughs> I knew he was going to bring this up Germany. Oh man. What a day. One of the funniest days in our friendship and on Twitter. One of the funniest days ever. Oh, it was incredible. I, uh, I went down to watch that game in new Orleans. I went to Finn McCool's. Um, nice. And, uh, and I walked in the door right before the game started. I happened to walk in on the Germany side with my Germany kit on, and I was like, perfect, great. Um, and then the other half of the bar was Brazil, and then I just watched them dismantle that team. And all of us, like, we knew that we were going to win, but it just got to the point where we were like, are you are you serious? Like, like you're serious, it just also and that game like was in Brazil. That's yeah, crazy. it was in Brazil. How did people right. walk yeah. away with their lives? Oh, I know. Yeah, <laughs> and then, and then one of uh, one of my friends quoted a statistic after the fact. In that single game, Germany scored one percent of all goals ever scored in a World Cup. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's so funny to hear so, that. Yeah. I'm sorry to chime in real quick, but it's just so funny to hear that from that perspective because, like, like you said about Brazil bringing a team of individuals, it's for any country that's, like, defined by their style of play more so than just winning or whatever, they're always kind of torn for that. Like, the last Brazil team to win a World Cup was a defensive dynamo. And, like, yeah, they won the World Cup, but they weren't, like, beloved because of that, right? So as a per- I've been watching for a while to see, like, the, the Ronaldinho era and the beautiful football era die – and then to have it like literally die at the Brazil World Cup by the Germans playing uber efficient football to just kill Jogo Benito hurt me deeply. I understand it was fun to the memes, but man, it was sad to see the death of that style of the game. Mm. Uh, ben, yeah. do you have anything else to add? Sorry. Yeah. So no, no, no. It's all good. So, so that's what I'm curious to see about Brazil. And they've been they've been performing well in their friendlies leading up to all this stuff, which is nice to see. Because, you know, there's a lot of really great South American teams. Like, I, I like Brazil in general. Like, I'm, I'm glad to see that they're kind of making a cohesive effort of it for a change. Um, I like Argentina. Um, I like Uruguay also. You know, so it's going to be really fun to see those guys all kind of play. And, and hopefully something comes of it for at least one of them. Yeah. Um, and then... As, as far as um, African football goes, it's going to be interesting to just... I, I feel like those teams are always kind of a wild card, and it's always fun to watch those games. So so I'm just 
invested in watching any of them play, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Senegal has got a squad squad. I mean, if you bring it out Sadio yeah. Mane, oh, for real. Mendy, and mm-hmm. Kudabali, just on that alone, they're going to be contenders in their group, at least. Right. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And then... And then with 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 Germany in Europe, because I think we talked about most of the other people that we expect to show up there. But after watching them crash out of the last World Cup, um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, because this is going to be kind of the last hurrah for Yogi Love. And he took some flack, I think rightly so, because he cut some career short that, that shouldn't have like uh, like my boy, Thomas Muller. Um he was like, he's never playing for the German national team again. And it was like, why? Like, oh, Dalvin, I forgot to again, mention. He's kind of. I forgot to mention that Ben is the president of the Thomas Mueller, uh, American chapter, at least fan. <laughs> he's, a, he's a very intriguing player all the time. Just like a super poacher. Does not look like an athlete whatsoever. But, you know, I, I love Thomas Mueller. He was the star of one of the greatest sporting moments of my life. Them losing the Champions League oh, okay. to, to Chelsea <laughs> and their home stadium. <laughs> anyway, man, we oh, cut you man. off, man. Oh, you... Okay, and yeah. we'll not. We won't talk about Mr. Wembley, right? Like, we'll just we'll just forget about that. Yeah, no, that's not that. I don't want <laughs> okay. to talk about any yeah. games yeah, yeah. at Wembley sure. ever. Yeah. Never, 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 never. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, Arjen Robin. Who's that? Right. Um. So who is that? Kelsey legend Arjen or, Robin. Uh... Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, so it's <laughs> um, so it's going to be interesting to see how how everything shakes down with Germany with all that because um, they have a ton of talent and and Dalvin, you can vouch for um, Timo Werner, who's going to be there. You would think is going to be their their strike man. I'm sorry, would you expect me to vouch for Timo Werner? I watched him play with my eyes. That man is fucking horrible. <laughs> oh, no, I'm about to do a full Steven He can't really control the ball. He runs fast, but he doesn't beat his man. He's, He's got small hands. Up. He's got small oh, hands. My God. I've never seen a player so frustrating because he makes no right run every time. He's running full speed. He's heart through his chest, and it's just him and a goal, and there's nobody there, and he will find a way to fucking miss. My God. And that is partially the reason why I am worried for Germany. When Germany won the World Cup, they had established horses tony cruz in his prime the end of close up like superstar players if they're counting on kai havertz this whole tournament if they're counting on old ass thomas muller this whole tournament i don't think it's going to be that good for him i mean i don't know if sane is still going to be one of the people they call in apparently he's an attitude problem uh ganabri is another dude i really don't believe in i know that the germans have been doing a good job of bringing in das negros and that's been helping them out i love jamal musela he's a great player um, but I don't know if they have enough talent. Talent this time. I'm. I'm they have the system always works. And once Hansi Flick takes over, they're gonna be good. But Yogi Lowe, I have very little little trust with him unless he has like the best team. If yeah, I'm going into it saying like favorites, I don't know favorites. I feel like France and Argentina for sure are like the favorites. If I had to pick. It's just, yeah. I'm. The, I think the real reason that I'm that I'm really curious to see how it, how it all works with them is after he brought effectively like the B and C team to the Euros last time, and they dominated. Right. Um. So you know. We'll so see. I don't know. I don't know if, if, if yeah. If the stage is right, uh, I don't know. 
but uh, but yeah, so it, it's 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 going to be interesting to see all those guys play. Um, the World Cup is then, so great because a lot of these countries have like a, a kind of a like a rock paper scissors ass relationship. Like just how you said, Germany just was designed to dismantle that Brazil team. I think back of like Spain beating Germany many i don't know if it was the euro or the world cup and all of that right and they were just you got all these big burly german dudes running around chasing shadows because the spanish dudes like ta -ta 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 and they're just like designed to mm -hmm. and they're the same group as germany this year so this could be a very interesting matchup it, it, they just don't match up well it, it's uh, i don't know I, I'm, I'm pretty excited to to watch this you know slavery world cup mm -hmm. i mean you're not wrong <laughs> it's, it's 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 tragic and it's really sad it's a sad state of affairs, but you're not wrong. Uh, I, I'll just say I'm rooting for France, rooting for my guy Mbappe. I love Mbappe. I think he's one of the coolest players. I think he's one of the coolest people on the planet. I love uh, France. Love yeah, France. Oh, weren't you? Weren't I was you, in France during the World yeah, Cup. The year they, they won. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. I remember that. Um, just say as a rooting interest, it's funny as they hear like the teams you root for. And root for. I always wrote, I don't, and I learned <laughs> that this is not a, just a me thing. You, I watched the World Cup as a black person and rooting for the most black team and. So Wait, you're I was black. Saying, oh God, this right? is a new. Never, this, this is a recent development, <laughs> right? So you know, obviously, uh, Brazil is always a team that you know hashtag the culture always rallies behind. Again, that made it that much more funny to get dismantled by Germany. <laughs> Never know that. Uh, uh, them, any African nation, the the, the sub-Saharan, not the Arab African nations, and then France. France is probably the the really the bellwether for incredible you know black players right now it's gonna be another run for the time like i genuinely have no idea who's gonna I, I, I could I, either. i'll just add this and then we can move on to the men's because i'm very curious on both ben i know your thoughts because we talk about them all the time but down i'm really curious what you think the problem is with the men's team i'll just say that closer to home i'm actually really interested in canada like i was really impressed by them and I'm and their men's and their women's team i really really love watching them play i'm really curious to see how they do and on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, please someone destroy Mexico. Make sure Mexico just goes home in tears. Uh, that would just make me the happiest man in the world when it comes to the World Cup because fuck those guys. Um, Again, something about the Mexican national team will turn even the most. Uh, you can put a red hat on me. I, I, I really, yeah, I know. I really have to be careful when I talk about the Mexican national team publicly because I sound like those damn Mexicans. God, I hate those Mexicans. It's like I used to say El Tree. I say El Tree every yeah. time, so you'll know I'm talking about this. Yeah, well, I'll say the, the national people. team, the Mexican national team, or whatever. Ooh, yeah. ooh. So, I have. If you look up, if you ever search my tweets <laughs> about like Giovanni dos Santos, I said some horrible, all kind, all the phobias. <laughs> I said, oh, man, everything. <laughs> okay, so speaking of Concacaf. Uh, let's bring it closer home, and this will be the last topic we talked about tonight. And I think it's an important topic. Uh, ben, you have, I think, the same consistent – I'm not going to say, like, cemented criticism, but a pretty consistent line of criticism about our men's team, especially consider how excellent our women's team has been over the past decade or so. What do you think – what do you what do you think it's fair to expect from our men's team in this World Cup – and what do you think the larger issue or the larger theme that's been plaguing this team? Plaguing might be a little suggestive, but what do you think the problem is? I'll just say it. What do you think the problem is with our men's team? Because you've been you've been saying the same thing to me for years now at this point. So I think I think that if we make it out of the group stage, we should celebrate. I think mm -hmm. that's a victory in 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 my book about the U.S. men's team. Um, and I think what it boils down to for me is that we don't 
Well, it's it's due to a couple of things, but if I can kind of like distill it down to one thing, I don't think that our team has an identity. Um, mm. I don't think that I don't think we had one under Jurgen Klinsmann, who has kind of uh, until obviously recently until then has kind of been like a stalwart figure in hashtag arena better. <laughs> okay. Sure. Bruce Arena was absolutely better than Jurgen Klinsmann. That can't even be arguable at this point. Uh, we got other things. I'm sorry. Continue. I'm let's sorry, go. Right. Let's go. You can mention it. We can talk about it when it's your turn. Don't <laughs> Um, but, uh, I mean, obviously Bruce Arena, not good enough either way. Um, but, but under Greg Burrowhalter now, like, I, I don't think that, I don't think that we have an identity, you know, mm. like, like I, I've read, I read an article the other day that was talking about how, you know, it's whatever he's doing is successful, but they can't say like this is what he's doing like they're just mm-hmm. like they're just winning more games now okay um you know and 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 it's it's like some weird it's this like kind of malleable moldable strategy and they're like he's not afraid to make bold substitutions and change the the way that the game is played and i'm and, and you know that's that's fine um but but i don't know like the a lot of a lot of what's important, I feel, with a national team is playing a lot of games with the same people. Because you don't train together all the time. You're all playing with your individual clubs. And if you're changing the lineup every time they go out and changing who you call up, even if you even if you do change the lineup, changing who you call up every time there's a thing, you're not building that cohesive team aspect that you need to be building to have something successful. Like we're going to have one team that goes to Qatar, Qatar, I'm sorry, in 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 the fall and if those if that group of players isn't used to playing with that specific group of players because they haven't had the build up in the friendlies warming up to that point, yeah. when they get there it's going to be a bunch of clash of ideals and the chemistry's not going to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and Kind of going further than that, um, the reason that soccer is football is is behind in this country is because we don't we don't um, we don't have a youth development program of any note. You know, yeah. like all Calvin of these, is like you're playing all the country, hits, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> every every other country that is successful in international football has successful. And we have the MLS. We have clubs that have success in, I mean, I, I, I don't give enough of a shit to know if they have success in the CONCACAF champions league. Yeah. But it, American club won it for, the first, uh, for the first time in like 20 years this year. Yeah. Just as a note. So, um, you know, so those clubs don't have a youth academy. Or if they do have a youth academy, they're not doing no. their fucking jobs. Um, they do. It's just a, it's a, it's an interesting setup. Yeah, and there's it's also added. the college level as well that plays a role in that as well. So um, right, and there's yeah. a lot of poli- politics and policy that go into that. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's it's that's its own thing to deal with. But that the is the, the day, thing. It, that that's is what the, it is. That's a whole other pod. That's what that is. <laughs> Right. So, um, um, but just you, uh, if, yes. ra- wrapping up because we got to get to Dalvin and because we're, we're we're running about a roughly where yeah. I expect so, to be. Yeah, yeah. So if I can put a cork in it, 
if we want to be successful, we have to invest in youth talent and we can't invest in youth talent by sending them to other countries to hope that they can be successful there. Okay. Dalvin, I saw you shaking your head a lot when Ben, when Ben was uh, speaking, uh, what do you, what do you, what do you care to elaborate on? What do you care to disagree on? What do you think? What do you think? Uh, yeah, it's really, I, I disagree on the fact that it, then, you know, we've never had an identity. I know what you mean, but I, I would think that, you know, the early days of the USMNT and honestly, like the Alexi Lala's playing days, it was like, we have tons of athletes. We got dudes with hella lung capacity and we're going to put out 11 big, strong dudes that's going to go out there and run and play physical ball. Right. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, I don't think the U.S. and, you know, U.S. soccer wants to be good in, in a sense. Like you can tell from the ticket prices to, to get into friendly games. You can tell from the amount of money it costs to be coaching certified, how much it costs to go to the camps. It's just very expensive. They don't want, if you are only building your pool of talent from the richest kids, you're never going to be good. Like if soccer is known for being the poor man's sports in every country in the world, except here. Yeah. So that's basically what it is. You know, I, I could always say some incendiary race-based thing that I'm pretty sure is true about it. But I mean, there got to be a sport for the white kids to be good at. I'm sorry. Baseball and soccer is looking like it's going to be it. And I don't think the United and States lacrosse. is interested in really changing it. And so we'll always have a limit on it. And about the identity, it's really hard because at this point in time, it's like we want our young players who have a chance at being something. We want them to get the best of the best training. Right. The best of the best training is not here. Right. So I've got a good you know, the reason why Christian Pulisic is so far advanced for American players is because he was trained in Germany since he was a young teen. Right. Mm-hmm. All these ex-German kids and kids that had chances to live in other countries. That's really what it is. So it's like when the American team in the Bruce Arena days, in the earlier days, their identity was trying to be like, we're trying to get 11 dudes that played in the MLS. They know each other's games. Fine. Now we're at a point where it's like, hey, OK, I've got some legitimate European talented players. But I also have these MLS guys who are, you know, role players. And we have this MLS coach who is only familiar with MLS level stuff. So he's bringing in a mixture of both. And that's probably not what it is. You you either need to fully, fully invest in all of the guys playing in Europe because they have the, have the, you know, more high end experience. But to what Ben was saying about not having an identity, you know, that's definitely facts. There's no style of play. As I mentioned, the kind of rock, paper, scissors basis of, you know, other clubs in other countries and how there's there's no American style of play. And, and you know, kind of until there is that, it, it's going to be tough to, like, win on any serious level. But, you know, just – I've said we many times in this. I just want to be clear. I do not root for the U.S. men's national team just – for reasons I mentioned earlier, uh, they're just not a fun team to root for. Um, but you do root for the women's team. I do root for the women's team, Good. for sure. Then we're, we're, and, cool. then we're cool. They're in danger because I do feel like the rest of the world has just, in women's sports, have caught they're up. And up. They were yeah. so dominant, really, just because of the, the gap. Yeah. Uh, and now, and kind of like you can see the United States bridging that gap in access to, you know, European training. And I know from living in Dallas, like the, the academy system. Yeah, it's really good. Pretty, it's pretty advanced. And like guys who are, you know, young, they're getting, you know, whatever professional level training. But a lot of the uh, MLS academies have relationships with European clubs. So like I know in New Orleans, there was like a, you know, a Bayern Munich connection. And like there's, there's stuff like that everywhere. So I don't think the American kids are getting overlooked. I think in the future we have a chance to be 
you know, a kind of a top 25-ish, top 20-ish type team. But, yeah, I mean, the World Cup is super competitive. I, I will, we might luck up and win one, but you should never expect us. I don't think you should never expect the United States to win one. But, I mean, this is – I mean, if with Christian Pulisic as our current best player and Serginho Dest and Weston McKinney, like, these are the best players we've had, like – these are players that some of the best coaches in the world have game planned against in Champions League matches that matter. And now they're going to be suiting up for the United States. Like, that's going to make an enormous, enormous difference. But I don't know if it's enough to get past, you know, out of the groups. You know, the group is pretty easy, yeah. quote unquote easy. Like, nobody believes in England. You know, I, I hope that it's Scotland. I hope that it's Scotland just for like yeah. the England versus Scotland rivalry. But also, you do not want to be playing the Ukraine story. Like, they're just going to, that might be a buzz off of sentimentality yeah. and referee cheating. I, I totally agree with all you guys. I regret that we, this, it, it took till episode 97. Like, you, on both the episodes I've done with both of y'all, we've talked about soccer at various degrees. But I do lament that after it took 97 episodes to have like a fully dedicated, soccer yeah uh i should have thought i should have thought about it really was the pandemic or before the pandemic when we all got to meet and hang out at my birthday before that i was like oh man i could totally put dalvin and ben on a on a pod together talk football why didn't i never think about that brain i don't know um so i totally agree i'm excited but i totally agree that uh be nice to get out of the group stage as long as we like i feel like it's better to set the bar low like usmnt is like set the bar low that means you're better chance of being pleasantly surprised. And uh, as long as we beat England on that uh, Black Friday game match, uh, we'd be really excited. Right, it was Black Friday. Oh, that's that's gonna yeah. be a great game. I yeah, do we, like they they genuinely match up pretty well. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. I kind of the U.S. men's team again. We could talk about the history of soccer in this country. It's just like. And then, like, I could talk to you all day about why the women's team is so much better than the men's team because of Title IX, of all things. And so I love hearing you guys talk about soccer. I love hearing y'all talk about a lot of things, but soccer, especially you two, is just – you guys have, like, you know, Dalvin, because of you, I root for Arsenal, wrapping up. I'm getting the wrap-up symbol. Uh, there was one thing I wanted to surprise y'all with. I wanted to surprise y'all with one last topic after this, but uh, I promise I'm wrapping up. You both have held my hand, figuratively speaking, throughout this entire, like, uh, sport and really – taught me so much i'm not to get like too savvy or sentimental here but i do really appreciate all y'all's insight and i really feel like y'all are like the type of fans that every sport should have that like if somebody's like i want to get into this it's better to have people like y'all who are like well here here's this here's this let me explain this let me explain that gate gatekeeping is just bullshit and i hate that shit and i try to do the same with other people like i was just talking to someone the other day about basketball about the finals and why the two teams that won are in the finals. And so I, I, I really appreciate y'all talking with me about soccer today and throughout these 10 years. Of 10 course, years. real quick, you're going to change your mind about gatekeeping. If you ever get an American player on your team, oh my God, American fans are the fucking stupidest people on earth. On earth. <laughs> I hate Christian. They, they ruined them for me. I was Matt, excited Turner, for like Matt two Turner's days. coming next year to Arsenal. Oh. Um, just wait. It's a, he's a goalkeeper. It's okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's different, but, oh, oh. So that's going to do it for the soccer talk. Unless you, either one of you gentlemen had anything else you wanted to add or elaborate on or expand on. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for the soccer talk. I was going to surprise y'all. I was hoping we'd okay. have time to do this. So you two, not only are huge soccer fans, uh, mm-hmm. but you're also huge Kendrick Lamar fans. 
And we don't mm. have to go too deep into this, but he did just have an album come out. And I really was curious on what both of y'all's perspective was. I, I know we both of y'all listened to it or ran through it. Dalvin, I recall you having the more... Uh, I don't take. No, I didn't want to say hot take, but like you had the uh, more emphatic take, I guess I'll say. Uh, so his last album, Mr. Morale and the Side... Big Big Steppers. Worldwide Steppers? That's the song name. His latest album. What did you think of it? And we have less than, we have seven minutes. Yeah, I'll be really quick. You know, sonically, it was great. I enjoyed listening to it. Um, I would just say, in one of the earlier songs, he talked about, like, he had writer's block and he wasn't able to write anything for two years. This album is not really evidence that he beat this writer's block. It felt like he was reading a like a list of trending topics of like the last five years and he's like all right i gotta make a song about this oh transgender okay uh gender wars okay like you know so that kind of element it felt a little uninspired but the songs themselves for were all you know this usual level of excellence and the lyrical content you know is always there he's a genius level rapper i think that he does weird voices too much i want him to scale back on the weird voices (laughs) other than that no notes so uh, before you go, uh, Ben, I'll ask you the same question. But Dalvin, you know, he's had more than a few albums. Lower end of the spectrum, middle of the pack. How do you feel? You know, uh, it, it feels rude to say that it's on the lower end just because yeah. it's still great. But I don't like it more than Damn. I don't like it more than Good Kid, Mad City. It's more listen toable than To Pimp a Butterfly. So in third, Section 80 is more of a mixtape, so I don't really rank it, but... Yeah, that's where I was at. But it's absolutely not bad. I would give it what seven and a half out of ten. Yeah, that's fair. And, and before you go, Ben, that's kind of uh, where I was at with it. But I have more to say. But please go ahead, Ben. Um, I I agree pretty much with that statement. I mean, it was <clears throat> there were there were a lot of I think more so than on his previous albums. There were a lot of like emotionally raw moments yeah like i know how you felt about uh mama i sober mother i sober Um, yeah 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 um and i felt the same way like that i was listening to i was in the car and and it came on and he's it's it's such a minimalist track and it's literally just him kind of like opening up and and pouring all of that raw emotion out there um which was really powerful, um, you know, and, and I think that it's, I think it's, it's really cool and important to have uh, kind of this cultural icon, this like new way, this new poet laureate for this generation kind of talking about some of the stuff that doesn't get talked about as much talking mm-hmm. about this <clears throat> emotional trauma and, and, and all of this and, and working through it um and and trying to become like trying to use that past to to make him to make him better like to learn from those those past experiences i think that's really cool mm-hmm. um i i so so yeah i like the album i don't think it's his best work i think it's i think it's a little bit too all over the place yeah you know more so than on the other albums some of those skits were just too long and just went on more than they needed to like like we got it already yeah i mean he's the artist obviously but like i got the point yeah you know, you, but as far as rankings go i think i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna differ slightly 
from from Dalvin because I'm into that kind of weirder, more avant-garde rap stuff. So To Pimp a Butterfly is like zenith for me because I like that weird jazz, bizarre, crossover, crazy, revolutionary shit. Um, So that's top for me. But otherwise, I still feel like this is a middle-of-the-pack kind of album for him. But again, like he said, like that's not a bad thing. It's just yeah. not as good of as my favorite. Exactly. David, did you want to add anything before I go? We got like three minutes. Left. Oh yeah. Like, I'm so it's not that I think that's a typical butterfly. That it just doesn't have like the replay value for mm-hmm. me. That's so. I that's fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Go yeah. ahead. No, I was just gonna say I only listen to music based on like obsession. It just takes over me, and then it's like it just can't do that thing. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, I totally agree with both of you. What you said, I think it was a solid, but kind of you know middle. I think it's more middle of the pack. Uh, I think Good Kid, Mad City is still my favorite album. But yeah, like I so I listened to it when it dropped. Uh, I really enjoyed it, and of course, what you mentioned, Ben, Mother I Sober, like stood out as like that's one of the best songs I think I've ever heard. But I was driving from Houston the other day. I had to go to Houston for a graduation and come back, and I listened to it on the way there. And I was just like, the way it ends with like Savior. Auntie Dyer's Mr. Morale, Mother I Sober and Mirror. Like, that's just a great run. That was just, I was just like blown away. Like, God damn, this album is so strong. Um, I loved it. Um, okay, love. I'll really, really enjoyed it. I can't say I loved it, but I will say that uh, Mother I Sober, I absolutely loved. Uh, just got to give a shout out to that song. This song is brilliant. Um, so that's, that's it, guys. Uh, we did it. Three different recording sessions, but we did it. Uh, thank you both for doing this. I cannot tell you, I thought about, uh, I don't know if I'll keep this in what I mentioned earlier, but uh, I had an incredibly shitty day and it was not fun. I've not had fun all day. And uh, this, I thought about canceling cause I didn't think I was in the mood, but I knew you two would be able to pick up the slack. And uh, I really appreciate it. I can't tell you how great hey, it, it, it definitely, <laughs> it definitely made my day a little brighter and lifted me out of my slump. Uh, I'm supposed to hang out with some friends tonight, but that's probably not happening. <laughs> And on that note, uh, that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for staying with us. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Please like, subscribe, share. Thank you to my my friends, Benjamin Casson and uh, Dalvin Ford. Do you have anything to say? Say to the people, anything to plug, anything you want to shout out? Go uh, go Celtics? I'm in, I I'm in the Bay Area. I can't say that. Chelsea finishes second next year. Second, not, not third. Second. Yes, Liverpool fall-off starts now. Ben, do you have anything you want to add about your uh, Tottenham hot shits? Oh, wow. No, I ain't got shit except we're going to finish about Arsenal again. I mean, I, I love expected you. at this point. Fuck. Eight years in a row? Is it eight years in a row? Fuck Come both on, of y'all. <laughs> Fuck both of y'all. I love y'all both. Fuck both of y'all. I'm so glad. Uh, you know, maybe when the pod, whatever happens after this 100 episodes and the pod changes maybe we can make this a regular thing hopefully we'll see yeah we should start when the prem season starts we could do one of these certainly maybe not every week but like once a month or something like that uh so yeah stay Mm -hmm. tuned for that that's gonna do it for us guys thank you so much for listening uh gentlemen i hope you have a great weekend and i will talk to you both later cheer up john love you all peace bye bye ben yeah bye (laughs) 